Time to talk the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego. We're all still coming to terms with an epic grand final. A Melbourne victory came up short. Wrong side of the ledger in a classic. Ninkovic for the title and he wins it for Sydney FC. He tucks it home and the Premier Plate winners are now the champions. They strolled through the home and away season but they've had to climb the north face tonight to get to the summit but they've done it. And the celebration begins in Sydney. Heartbreak for Kevin Musket and his team. They leave it all out on the park, but they leave empty-handed. Sydney FC win the A-League title in a penalty shootout. What a night it was. Carlos Alberto Diego, how are you? I'm really well, thanks, Francis. And what a game. Uh, you could tell by the distortion on your call there, that how big that what that meant to you at the time, uh, as far as the uh, the call of that game, and after extra time and uh, you know the drama of the penalty shootout too, uh, it's just everything you you wanted in the game, and uh, and you know that intensity is something that I, I really look forward to down the track. All the big games in A League having that uh, identical intensity just makes it watchable, and doesn't matter what sort of surface they play on. No one talked about the surface during the game because the contest was so fantastic. It really was. Nine fourteen, nine eleven, sixteen. Your reflection on the grand final, the ifs, buts, and maybes of the day. If you were there, I'd love to hear from some victory fans. Great, and good mm. on your Melbourne victory fans. Props to you for getting up there in such huge numbers. Uh, two proper football clubs they yep. were on display, and that's what it was, you know, with uh, or in a short space of time with some serious history, uh, a great rivalry, uh, some long memories from uh, a few of the players, uh, and um, yeah, it just uh, mixed feelings about the result. Really happy yep. for Sydney FC in a way because I think they had such a brilliant season. It, yeah, there would have been an edge of tragedy if they hadn't have won the title, uh, but absolutely, uh, you know delighted by Melbourne Victory's ability to execute a game plan their coach had asked them to do and, and had spoken about it during the week and had promised a tough final and promised that they were good enough and we all went, oh, maybe they're just trying to talk themselves into this. But they were. And if not for a couple of moments, uh, it could have been one of the biggest nights in the history of the Melbourne Victory Football Club, a club that's already in a short space of time got a very, very rich history. The, if Sydney weren't a great team, they wouldn't have won that. They had to be a great team. And because uh, victory brought their best. And I always said that uh, Sydney's best, I thought, was marginally better than victory's best on the day. And in that first half, I thought if victory can maintain the intensity and the, the commitment and, and the brilliant finishing of Barisha. I mean, that oh. goal he scored, it was just absolutely electrifying. Picking it up where he did, uh, and, and I'm not sure where. I think it was a Troisi ball from midfield that hit. It started with, and I know that he's taken a bit of stick, but it started with Mark, Marco Rojas in the centre of the park, riding two challenges. Mm. He's not a very big key no. marker, and he had two big midfielders crunching him. The Malachi crunch didn't go to ground. Got a ball to Troisi, who then fed Barisha. So yeah. it was, it was, you know, it was tough play from from the winger, and then just great touch from from mm. Troisi, and the finish was amazing. Oh, the, the way he picked up that ball, you know, and ran at those two defenders and. It's the scariest thing in the world. Uh, and just knew when he picked up that ball in that position that he was going to score. And the way he, uh, he just shifted the ball from his, uh, to his right to his left and finished it, uh, it was dynamite. And uh, it was just uh, that electrifying finish that really set the whole thing up. And it really lifted victory. It really almost gave them that extra confidence that what they were doing. They were in the game. Yeah, there, absolutely. And the way they, they just uh, kept on biting away at, probably more than biting away at Ninkovic and, and the midfielders. And the, the trouble they gave Brillante and O'Neill in the middle of the park, we said 
last week that if you occupy those guys with some dangerous players, suddenly they're not as effective. And that's what was happening in that first half. In the second half, well, you know, Sydney, the, their greatness really came to the fore. And they were marginally only better. That's why they equalised. David Carney made a big uh, difference when he came He's on. He's done it so, before yeah. against Melbourne Victory this season. Yeah. He came off the bench in the first game at the Sydney Football Stadium and scored twice. And just when you knew when he swivelled inside the area yeah. to get onto that left boot, it was going to be trouble. I mean, yeah. he just is... For a journeyman that's had, I think, 17 or 18 clubs, yep. incredible. Um, he still knows how, how to trouble. And it shows <laughs> also, Francis, opposition defenders. Uh, only talked about the special feeling within the camp and that everyone's happy, even if they're not playing. Someone like Akani's used to playing first-team football. He's been on the bench for most of this year. For him to be placated for, for being on the bench and then coming on and giving something the way he does every week. I think, Arnie, that's a bit of a masterclass of coaching from him too. Let's get to the phones. 949 is the number. Uh, Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game, talking the A-League grand final here. Matt's on the road. G'day, Matt. Hey, guys. Uh, look, I don't really follow the A-League, but I, you know, I watched the uh, grand final and it was enjoyable. It was good. Um, but that Rojas uh, guy, look, I don't know much about him. Everyone's saying that he's probably one of the best players that victory's got. But, mate, he was fatigued that second half. He got caught out offside, I can about six times. Now, how many penalties has he taken in the A-League? Well, in his career, I think he's taken two and he's missed them both, including the one on the weekend. So uh, I, got, I was actually a little bit surprised that Muskie didn't, take, didn't make a change till quite late. I think it didn't make a change in the 90 minutes, did he? I'm trying to remember now. He was going to make a change with Carl Valeri, who had a calf problem with Rashid Mahazi, but he didn't. He did make a change at some point. Let me just check this Yeah, Igin came on for yeah, came um, on Ben Calfalo, I yeah, think. Late in, in the, was it in the first period of extra time, maybe? Yeah, so I'm not sure whether Rojas was telling Kevin that he's right, but he seemed to have struggled. So I thought Mitch Austin might have been yeah, the player so that could have come in for him at that I'd point. I'd love to know, uh, and I'm sure... Kevin Muscat, you never question what he did on the weekend because it's perfect uh, management of his team. But I'd, I'd love to know why he didn't make that change. Did he know they were going to extra time and that's where he was going to make the change? Because Rojas was, still wasn't sub during extra time either. So uh, it's the only question mark I had, given that uh, Sydney were actually managing their subs uh, right through that whole 90 minutes and the extra time too. Yeah, Fahid Ben Kafala came off in the 101st minute, so in the uh, middle point of... Or late in the first period of extra time for Joe Ingham, and that was it. Uh, no subs after that uh, before the penalty shoot. I mean, I, I guess one theory is that Marco Rojas could still win you a game. If the, yeah. with the right balls played, uh, he still has the touch and ability to you know, to win you the game. And there's no tomorrows in a grand final. You're not playing to get to next week or play for a spoil of the points. And if you want to avoid a penalty shootout, you leave those out on the park who you believe can win you the game. I would have been surprised if Kevin had left him out there uh, if Rojas wanted to come off. So I'm thinking Rojas is probably saying to him that I'm fine, keep me on, I'll be right. And Kevin's going to leave his best players, someone who can who can win you a game. Like you said, it was so tight near the end. I mean, you saw from the Troisi, you know, hitting the upright. Oh. Uh, that really, that was the moment really for, the, for victory at the time. But uh, uh, yeah, just what a game. And there's so many talking points. I'd love to get your point of view. I don't think we've ever had a discussion about uh, the using the penalty system as a you know, penalty shootout as a way of deciding these big games. But I, I don't mind it. I know people complain about it all oh, the time. I love it. Look, you, yeah. know, you and I both know that football traditionally isn't, you know, a, a draw is a legitimate result in, in the run of a, of a season where a team that finishes on top wins a title yep. and you get a share of the points. So they've had to manufacture some way to 
to eliminate the draw as a legitimate result for cup games and for grand finals. And this is the way to do it. And World Cup finals. And yeah. I just love the fact that, yes, players can be scarred for life. And, not, you know, I don't think too much about that. You know, but, but a player walking that 50 metres or so from the centre circle puts the ball down and uh, the big, big games, the whole world's watching, your team's hoping, your fans are hoping. You may even have the opposition fans absolutely uh, having a crack at you while you're trying to, you know, you know, chanting all sorts of things to try and put you off and then still slotting it away. That moment, I just think I'm so happy for that player who does that and gets over that big hurdle. The ones who miss, look, Badjo missed in the World Cup. He wasn't scarred for life after that. I mean, it's just part of the game, the drama in the theatre. Uh, I see also up to 200,000 more people watched the penalty shootout than the game proper. So, I mean, it was a, the highest rating uh, A-League game ever on Fox, but 200,000 more people... As soon as we got around, they're going, they're going to <laughs> yeah. penalties. As, as long as, you know, so people can see the, the you know, the... Uh, you know the the the, the absolute uh, drama, drama, and the in the disappointment from a, a missed penalty or the joy of a scored scored penalty. I think that that makes for good TV. Uh, let's get across to Brett Thomas in the uh, SEN news booth. I think he's got some news out of the uh, Adelaide United camp about their coaching situation. And it looks like there's a change of foot there. G'day, Brett. Yes, uh, hello, fellas. Guillermo Amor has uh, resigned as manager of uh, Adelaide United. He spent three years at the helm of the Reds and uh, was, of course, the A-League Coach of the Year in 2016. But uh, the 49-year-old's time at uh, Adelaide is over, informed the chairman last night. Thank you, BT. So it was kind of on the cards, wasn't yeah. it, Carlos? I think a lot of people were talking about that. He w- wasn't making any comment through the season. But also the leaks coming out of Adelaide that they're looking at people like Battistuta and, and, you know, all these other people who, please, Adelaide, you know, we've gone beyond that. But Battistuta, great player, one of the world's greatest players, greatest goal scorers to, to grace the football field Batty in the history goal. of football. Batty but, goal. but he's never, ever coached, please. <laughs> And if he has, it's only on a, on a limited level. So, so please don't go and experiment. Your fans and, and the A-League deserve more than that. Get someone who's got a track record, who wins. Uh, and it's they've got a little bit of momentum out late in the second half of this year. Unfortunately, it didn't get them very far. But, uh, but you know, they started you know, bringing in some young kids, uh, Doherty and also, uh, you know, uh, Riley McGree and these sort of guys. And, and they played quite well in the Asian Champions League last night, even though they lost 1-0. Uh, the great Demo Burton's just got a question for us here. Why don't they uh, reduce the goal size for penalty shootouts? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, an architectural thing. I'm not sure. <laughs> Make contracting yeah, goals. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's all we need. You know, someone, so, you know, another referee to contract the goals at the right end. All they could give the goalkeepers is the big, big novelty hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Danny Vukovic did really well to get down and save that. that penalty. Oh, great guy! He was destined, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, with his year he's had at Sydney, and his son suddenly uh, not as crook as he was. Uh, Harley, yeah, yeah just his transplant. He yeah, good. it was just fantastic. He, he deserves everything he gets. And I did like the old, and you would have seen this back in the day, uh, the old Major League Soccer in the US. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Back in, in the, the, in the Pelé days where they yes. used to take the penalty shootout, the goalkeeper would be in the sticks, and the player, because yep. every game was decided. There yep. was no draws in, yep. in, in uh, the NSL, the National Soccer League in the US. They would start yeah, from 35 the middle, minutes, 35 yeah, metres out. Just in front of the... Yep. The, uh, the <laughs> and they, they were playing on the old gridiron pitches Had too. To dribble forward, yeah. the keepers like. So the, the, the football was being played on gridiron in uh, you know uh, in NFL sort of pitches where you've got the line markings. You know the thirty-five meter line, the thirty meter line. You had to go back to the thirty-five, and the guy literally ran with the ball at his Dribbled feet and, and keeper, tried to yeah. beat the keeper. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway. Hey, guys. How you going? Good, mate. Just ringing about the guy that rang earlier about Marco, and he said he doesn't know what he's like. Well, you know, Marco's been one of our best players for the whole season. He only got caught offside twice after the 115th minute, and um, he copped a really, really pretty nasty uh, tackle from Zullo, which, you know, studs up, got him right on, right on the foot, and um, I think that probably slowed him down a little bit from there, there onwards, mate. Yeah, I thought his first half an hour in particular was great because he was yeah. getting down the right-hand side. He was making Michael Zullo think twice because City relies so heavily on Zullo and Ryan Grant pushing forward and getting crosses into the box. They've been able to take the liberty of doing that a lot this year. Uh, but he really ran at them and gave them gave them a really hard time. Can I just ask about the refereeing? Jared Gillett, Gillett did an okay job, but uh, there were a couple of decisions that, that left me absolutely yep. flummoxed. And the video assistant referees there to help. So when Philip Hilosko in that... In the melee. Yeah, when Milos Nikovic finally cracked the uh, the, the, the sads after he'd been harassed, <laughs> harassed by Calvary one too many times, it all kicked off. Um, and uh, you see Hilosko reach in and grab James Donaghy on the face. He almost yeah. eye gouges him. Now, that, surely that's a red card. It is, uh, but I think the, they made a really big deal about the video assistant referee, the VARs, uh, when they brought it in, that it was only there to correct the howlers. So well, that's a howler. Well, yeah, once you get, you know, once you... Because I think they actually got the, the, the almost the... They, they really focused on that. They, they really punched in, they zoomed in on it. And that's when we saw it all. But in the melee, I, I can understand why the referee may may not have seen it. Uh, I I, pref- I would love it to be used for that. But then everyone worries about, you know, when do you use it, when don't you use it. It's supposed to be used when a referee has made a, a decision that's a howler. That, that may have been an interpretation by Jared Gillett. Who knows, the, the people in the, in the VARs... Uh, you know, in the in the cage there, they may have turned around and said, uh, "Listen, there's a problem here." And Gillick, uh, Jared must may have said that, "No, I don't believe there was." He may have over, overruled it. I don't know. There's a lot of things. Uh, I, I felt he did a fairly good game. Uh, had had a fairly good game. Yeah, in that. it was a tough game to referee, wasn't yeah. it? And it, was he, a, it was really on edge the whole time. And, and also, he played some really good. Um, uh, advantages at different times, which Australian referees aren't ten- don't tend to be good at. So even the uh, Barisha goal, I thought that would have been a foul on Rojas in the lead up to that, and uh, the fact that he uh, allowed a really good advantage, I think, gave Victory the advantage to score that goal. And there was one or two of those, and I thought that's quite mature refereeing. And who would want to, with the amount of people in your face the whole time, with Kevin Muskett and, and uh, Graham Arnold, you know, consistently yelling at you the whole time? Uh, it would be just a really unenjoyable job on that on that day doing that grand final. And I thought, given all those circumstances and given the drama and everything else that happened, I thought he did a relatively good job. That the managers do it. Someone yeah. have a word to the A League managers. I mean, they can. Yeah. I know there's always it's there's always the issue in penalty area, in technical areas of managers, you know, carrying on like pork chops. But it's in the A League, it's just gotten out of hand. I mean, at one stage on the weekend, Graham Arnold put his hands on a couple of Melbourne Victory yeah. players when there was a bit of a, a, a you know standoff. Uh, Kevin's always eating the ear off of uh, of, the, of the fourth assistant. It's just gotten yep. really ugly. It, it's a, I think it's yep. a bad look for the game and the sport to see the people who, who are leading these teams as their managers behaving in a way that if their players behave that way on the field, they'd stop and have a word to them. Yeah. So it's just it's just not good enough at the moment. It's 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 poor. And it's poor from some people who should know better. Yeah, and I think the the worst part of it, uh, Francis is. It's not necessarily that they're, you know, they'll, they'll justify saying that they're passionate and they want to back their team and everything like that. But I think it's very much a strategy to intimidate the referee and yes. hopefully get the next uh, free kick for yourself or whatever it may be, or put 
bit of doubt in the referee's mind. And, and it's something that's used all over the world. It's not just in Australia. So it's gone to another level with our A-League coach. Yeah, touchdown, yeah. I, look, I'd hate to be a fourth official here on the sidelines in the middle of those two coaches, uh, especially with Popovich, uh, Musket, Arnold, uh, Kenny Lowe's another one. I mean, there's a f- I've gone through half the coaches already. They they tend to try and intimidate the referee to get some sort of an advantage. And and for me, that the fact that it's it's planned and it's uh, part of the strategy, that's something that's uh, that you know I think I, I don't know how you get rid of it. By well, the way, the, but the coaches but, have just yeah. got to tidy it up themselves. Yeah. Daniel's in South Caulfield. G'day, Dan. How are you, Daniel? Are you there? Are you there? Yes, Dan. Hi, guys. Um, thanks very much. Just on that topic of the A-League managers not showing uh, respect, not, not, not even to the opposition players, but, but importantly to the referees. Um, it, it's something that I've got, a, I've got a link to refereeing down the line in a community level. And unfortunately, when, when people see the way that the A-League managers and players disrespect referees at the top level, it filters down to the lower levels. And it's really, really difficult um, the, the retention rate of referees, you know, you've got young kids who start out to be referees. The way they're treated is just appalling. And, and it's no wonder they're dropping out, at, you know, all the time. So it's, um, it's a really difficult thing. And, and the guys at the top level really need to, to make a statement and, and show some respect to the referees. But we've also had, Daniel, that's a really good call, mate. Uh, we've also had referees at the top level. Uh, after they've gone through a week of criticism because they've made a mistake, whether it be an offside they gave or not gave, uh, a lot of them, actually, a few of them, have actually this year felt they they, they want to give the game away. That's at the top level after a, you know working right through the different levels of the game as a referee and looking at it as almost like a career. They've decided I, I just don't want to take the abuse, and especially it's not just abuse on the day; it's abuse following you know post game in the media and the fans and you know, on social media, the whole thing. So they've got to tidy it up, no doubt about it. It's mm. not a good look for the game. Uh, Melbourne victory. Let's quickly talk about their squad. Uh, Rashid Mahazi is uh, leaving yeah. football indefinitely. Uh, this is uh, sad news for this young man, 25 years of age. He's returning to Kenya to uh, deal with a family situation there. Yeah, and uh, and given it's indefinite, uh, it sounds like it's going to be a long-term, you know, it, it's a long-term issue uh, with the family. Uh, and I know that he... Not personally, but I know the fact that Kevin Musket takes every opportunity to put him on and play him. And even last season, when they didn't have such a great year, he played a lot of last season. I think Kevin Musket is uh, a real he's a real, f- he's a real uh, supporter of this boy. And uh, and uh, I know, that, look, he's a bit of a subject of the, of the Boo Boys, a bit of a target of the Boo Boys there at Victory. Uh, but everything on social media when the news came out today was really positive about the fact that, you know, he's been a terrific uh, player for them whenever he's come in and done a job for them. And I think he's just a player that... You know, I'm not sure how long he'll be out of the game now, but uh, and hopefully it doesn't damage his career prospects down the track. But if he's, uh, he's a guy that actually can uh, develop into a really top-class central midfielder, he's, he's got great technique, he reads the game pretty well. Yes, he turns over the ball every now and again, but you know, with more in games and more under, under pressure situations, you might find that he might be a, a player that would be a bit of a mainstay in the middle of the, of, of, of the park at different times. So look at his departure. Daniel Georgievsky won the Joe Mars the medal for being the best player in the grand final. He's departing as well. Yep. Uh, Nick Ansell looks likely to go. He's getting squeezed out, it feels. Fahid Ben Kalfala. Yep. Uh, look, they're picking up Reese Williams from all reports, so that, that's a terrific uh, pickup. Uh, whether they play him in the middle of defence or where they play him in the middle of the park would be really interesting. How they use Broxham, I thought Broxham was one of the best players on the weekend. He never lets them down. I don't know whether he's a bloke you just stick at 
you know, at, uh, at left back and uh, keep him there all year. He can do a job for you, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, this is a real opportunity, I think, for victory now to, to go out and get players of the quality of Reese Williams and, and maybe even make a pitch to Mark Milligan again and see whether you can get him back because he was so terrific for that club whenever he's played for them. So, um, yeah, I'd like, I reckon this is an opportunity for them to go to the next level. I think victory, what they, the momentum they built, especially in the finals, uh, if they can somehow carry that on with some really good recruiting, uh, I, th- I think they'll be able to match Sydney next year. Uh, La Liga has yeah, it neck and neck, neck yeah. And neck, isn't uh, it? But uh, Real Madrid's got the one game in hand, but they're both winning with a plum at the moment in La Liga. So I think if you're going to, you know, Barcelona people out there will have a crack at me about this, but I think uh, Real Madrid are in the in the mood. They're playing really well in the Champions League. They're playing well in La Liga. Uh, you know, I think they'll win that. Uh, they just have to win that catch-up game, and they're, and they're right. Thanks for your call, Pete. Norm's in Murder. G'day, Norm. Hi, how are you? Good, mate. I was up at the weekend. Uh, we took the caravan, a few guys in it, and had the best time ever, and it was a great game. But the thing that confuses us, and maybe it's been talked about it already, the penalty taking and the selection of the victory players to take penalties. Um, I think... Barish is our penalty taker. Now, whether he wanted to stay later to get all the glory or not, but <laughs> normally you'll, you'll have your best penalty taker taking the penalty first. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So what the, what the order was, uh, the vict- for, let's go through uh, They it. had, oh, jeez, I, I know I Valeri missed the second one, didn't yeah. he? Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go with well, you well, yeah, well, Francis is looking for that. Norm, you sound like Ernie Merrick. You're, <laughs> you're about to coach Newcastle Jets. I hope you have a good time over there and get some wins. I know Norm's gone now, but uh, he certainly did sound like Ernie Merrick. Um, yeah, but look, we've—I uh, know Valeri missed and Rojas missed, and there's a lot of criticism. Wilkinson missed as well. Yeah. So the Victoria, uh, the uh, the victories penalties went. Uh, Troisi he scored. Uh, Wilkinson he missed for Sydney FC, yeah. and then it was Broxham. Broxham. So it was almost he like scored, a seniority yeah. who scored. Uh, and then it was Valeri who missed, and then Rojas who had his save. And really, if you look at those names, look on paper beforehand, you probably wouldn't have thought twice about that order. Because they're all great players, they're all experienced players. There was no guesswork there. Uh, maybe the row has one. Barish is their leading scorer, and but true. he's had some some strife from the. Penalty, well, it's it? it's interesting. From the minute that Rojas was named, the commentators were talking about the fact that he'd only taken one previous penalty in his whole career and missed it, and he didn't look good. He just like almost hobbled to the penalty spot. So. Maybe that would have been a call. But I don't know the rule, to tell you the truth, about whether once you've named the order, whether you can just change that around or not. It's because it would, have, it would have been uh, would have been interesting to see uh, Barisha say, no, no, uh, Marcos, let me go and take it, and uh, you can wait. So people texting through, that bloke is any American. I can promise you, I spoke yeah. with Ernie last night. He's in Scotland. So oh, is he? Okay. He's <laughs> not listing out at Munda yeah. at the moment. He's, up, he's, in, he's in Scotland visiting his Sure, Munda's not a suburb of uh, Glasgow, <laughs> Glasgow or, something. or Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, so great season. But the yeah, like, there's a whole bunch of things that need, that need to be looked at, and we might do that next week. But uh, some big structural issues, some big decisions to be taken at the boardroom uh, for... Uh, the FFA, uh, the expansion issue won't go away. The clubs are still at a standoff with the FFA about uh, the financial arrangements for next year. So once the glow of the grand final subsides, there's going to be some hard yards done. That The free-to-air television deal is yet to be concluded. It's going to get ugly, I think, uh, Francis, but we've got a long off-season, so we'll see a fair bit of that. A lot of the talking points for sure. 
We went into and as uh, some well, Rob's just texted. Are we going to talk about Juve? Come on! Oh yes, we should. Uh, through to the Champions League final, yep. uh, the old lady again, just so good. They are in the uh, Danny Alves's goal this oh. morning was fantastic. Hasn't uh, he been a pickup from oh. football club Barcelona? Uh, well. You know, anyone coming out of Barcelona would be a fantastic pickup, wouldn't they? And his goal was fantastic. If you hadn't had a look at it, just Google it, and uh, it's a terrific goal. And Paolo de Balia, I just, uh, oh, I, I, he's, he's the next big yeah, star of world football. If I was to Dybala. pick a team right now, uh, and you've got to remember, Juventus hadn't conceded a goal in the you know, previous three or four Champions League games, so these guys don't concede easily. If I had to pick a team now that's going to win the uh, Champions League final, and I'm assuming it's going to be Juventus versus Real Madrid, I'm saying Juventus. You think Juventus yeah, can I think they've just got that... They're just playing so well. They're such a tough team to build, beat. Uh, typical streetwise Italian side with the flair, that South American fair of Dybala uh, uh, and uh, Danny Alves and these sort of players. I just think they've got everything and that, that spirit that uh, they can get them over the line. Big fat Gonzo Higuain. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just, it, they've just got a fantastic mix. <laughs> is, he, is he the most like, the, so yeah. the body of the park football oh, and no. the touch of a genius? Oh. <laughs> If only we could all play like that. Absolutely. Good on you, mate. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks, mate. Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game with us here on 1116 SNS.